0: From Parkway Church in Karana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, good morning, saints. I usually get a couple of strange looks when I say, good morning, saints. Because some of you, when you look in the mirror, you say, oh, man, that's not a saint. That's a sinner. Well, let me just clarify for you that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come. And so you need to realize that you're not a sinner struggling to become a saint, You are a saint who struggles with sin. So, that being said, a couple of clarifications. I'm a little rusty at this. (laughs) So, please be patient with me. Um, Are the lights okay? I do tend to shine more for Jesus than some of you do, but (laughs) I just want to make sure that... Nobody's blinded by the light. And one more, um, just for clarification, I know a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Zoe was preaching, she mentioned Paul's guard, whose name was Bob. Now, I know I'm a little bit older, but I wasn't there Okay? All right. Three guys went out for coffee after the morning service. And as they sipped their chosen brew, the sermon came up. The topic of the pastor's message was legacy. And as they mused over that subject, the questions surfaced. When people are standing around your casket, what would you like to hear them say about you? Not that you can hear, but what would you like to hear them say about you? The first guy pipes up and he says, well, I'd like them to say he was a good man. He was a great dad. He was a great husband. And he was a devoted follower of Jesus. Well, I'm a teacher, said the second one, so I'd like to hear them say he was a great teacher who believed in me. His insight and his wisdom changed my life and his godly example inspired my faith. The third one was asked the question, when people are standing by your casket, what would you like to hear them say about you? Well, he rubbed his forehead and Scratched his chin, and he thought for a moment. And then he said, I'd like to hear them say, look, he moved. (laughs) Dead, but alive. And I want to pick up on that theme this morning. So our text is Ephesians 2. Verse four to seven. And I'm hoping that we have it up on the overhead. But it goes like this. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace You have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we delve into your word, As we look into the depths of its truths, as we examine your word, may your word examine us and may our hearts be open, Holy Spirit, to what you want to share with us, what you want to speak into our lives this morning. And Father, help this preacher because I need you. It's not so important as what I say, as what your spirit says to the people of God in this house today. So hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now these four short verses have a plethora of sermons in them we could dive into God's great love. And if you were to look up that word great in the Greek, it is megas, from which we get our English word mega. And it means large. It means great. If we were to use it in a slang way, it means extremely good and extremely Great. So what we're talking about is God's mega love for us. And the word love is agape, so we're talking about unconditional love. What does God's great love look like? Well, Paul tells us in these verses. It is rich in mercy. It is incomparable riches in grace. And it is kindness, all of which we can adapt as a model to fine-tune our love as we love a lost and broken world around us. God, let our love be great. Let our love be rich. Let it be filled with mercy. Let it be overflowing with grace, and let it be kind. We could wander off into that, and there's a sermon in and of itself. We could also explore the depths of those two words, mercy and grace, that are mentioned here. Mercy means not getting what we deserve to get. Grace meaning getting what we don't deserve to get. Now, I need to qualify. I'm a bit of a nerd I own it. I'm happy with it. So when I start digging into Scripture, I dig a lot. So I used to have a pocket protector for my pens. (laughs) But I've kind of been delivered from that. So you just need to know. I love this word. It is so rich, and it is so full, and it. every time I look at it, you would think after 30 years of doing this, I would have it, but I don't. And the more I read his word, the bigger he becomes. And I hope that's your experience as well. Mercy and grace, these two concepts underline Ephesians chapter 2, My goodness, those two concepts underline the entire Bible, mercy and grace, each of which is a sermon in and of themselves, but I want to pick up on this idea of dead but now alive, or rather coming alive after being dead, following the thought pattern of Paul. And I want to focus in on what God's love has done for us. And I'll be using love and grace interchangeably as we go here, so just so that you know. And let me begin by saying right off the bat, um, we're not talking about a zombie invasion here, okay? We're not talking about dead coming back to life, although, although the idea of dead men and women walking in a new life fits the context. What Paul is talking about is this, moving from a place of being dead to now being alive. And he also includes in that transitioning from a state of death to life, where the powerless become powerful. And it's all a work of his grace. It's all a work of his great love. So what do you call, or what is this idea called when we mention rising from the dead? Well, we call it resurrection, right? In theological terms, it is called regeneration, the new birth, being born again. You know what? You can be born, but the sad news is, The moment you're born is the exact moment you start to die. Now, that's not a very cheery thought on a Sunday morning. But it is a truth. And I want you to think about this. A resurrected life can never die. And we're digging into that a little bit more. You have been born into... An indestructible, unperishable life. Where in the twinkling of an eye, the perishable will be clothed with the imperishable. And the mortal will be clothed with immortality. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 53. In the twinkling of an eye. In the blink of an eye. Everybody blink. That's how fast you're going to be transformed into the king. Just like that. Just like that. Now, I know that, of course, is rapture talk. But what about what Jesus says to the thief on the cross that day when he said, Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Do you notice the time frame in that? Today, today you will be with me in paradise. The moment you die is the moment you begin to really live. You are born again into an imperishable, indestructible, incorruptible life. And you didn't do a stinking thing to deserve it. You didn't do a stinking thing to earn it other than this. Trust in the cross. Trust in the cross and what Jesus has done for you. He did it all for you. Why? Because of his great love for you. Or as the 15th, 16th century reformer Martin Luther said, I have done nothing. The Word has done and accomplished everything. I have done nothing. The Word, Jesus, has done everything for me. And this is an indisputable, undeniable, incomprehensible truth that is backed up and validated by Christ's own resurrection from the dead. This is not some storyline in an ancient book. This is not some myth. Jesus rose from the grave. You know, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I've been saved for 37 years. You haven't, some of you haven't been on the planet that long. But way back then, we sang choruses. So I'm going to attempt to sing a chorus. Those of you who've been around as long as me that may know this, please, help this brother out and join in, (laughs) okay, okay? I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. I've been born again More than a conqueror That's what I am I'm a new creation I'm a brand new man, woman, child, teenager You know, it's a simple little chorus, but it is so full of theological truth. I am a new creation. I am more than a conqueror. And some of you want to, and we sang earlier about surrendering at laying it. I'm hoping some of you will lay down your stinking thinking and get a hold of who you are in Christ. And who he is in you. You're a new creation. A resurrected spiritual eternal being. Pierre Tellerhard de Chardin was a French Jesuit. He was a paleontologist and he was a biologist and he was a philosopher. And he said this we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Can I say that again? We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Now some of you need to let that marinate in the cerebral juices of your prefrontal cortex for a while. And let it sink in. You were not created for a time here on earth. You were created for eternity. So let's unpack these verses, beginning with verse 2. But, now that word joins what previously was to what is currently now. Here in the context of Paul's letter, but is a transitional word. It represents a previous temporary state that has been changed. It's a word that changes what what once was to what is, to what was temporary, to what is, what's now, eternal. And Pastor Carl eloquently expounded, expounded on the what was last week. So let me just refresh our memories. What was last week was a state of being. What was, was your past, not who you are now? What was, was we were living in transgression and sin? What was, was we had, had pledged allegiance unknowingly to the ruler of this world who is Satan? What was was disobedience, cravings of the sinful nature, pursuing that sinful nature, its desires and its thoughts, and the icing on the cake of what was, was we once were objects of wrath. Before our conversion, we were objects of wrath, but everybody say that with me. Okay, let's try that one more time. But. (laughs) Okay, Bob, that's enough of that. But. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Try and memorize that, saints. That's a powerful passage of Scripture. But, It all begins with but. I mean, what a word. I could do an entire sermon on but. But I won't. But I could. And but I might. But I won't. It's such a powerful word because with it, three little letters, with it, everything changes drastically and radically. And that's what God wants you and I to understand. Why? Because there's a longing in the heart of God for humanity. A longing for every human being on the face of this earth. A longing to embrace you. A longing to embrace me. A longing to embrace us for eternity and love us forever. A love he wants us all to grasp so that together with all the saints we might grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all understanding. We'll get to that in Ephesians 3 later on. Someone will, I don't know. Make no mistake, saints. God Love for you is immeasurable beyond your understanding, beyond your comprehension. And once again, the cross of Jesus proves it all. There's no other way to understand God's love apart from Jesus and apart from the cross. And in these four verses, Christ is mentioned five times. With Christ, with Christ, with him, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Five times in four verses, repetition is used as a grammatical tool to stress a point. And Paul's point Well, let's move it just a little bit from Paul because Paul is being inspired by the Spirit of God to write the Scriptures. And so God's point, God's point is how incredibly valuable you are to Him. Oh, I hope you get that. Because of His love, because of His grace, You are incredibly valuable. Where's my water? That was a pause for effect. Just let it sink in. Make no mistake. God's love for every one of you in this room is immeasurable. So three things. Three things God's love, God's grace, has done for us. But let me tie what I'm about to say back into Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And what we're going to look at in a moment. Remember Paul's prayer back then? I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that you may know him better. I pray that he may open the eyes so that you may, together with all the saints, know the glories of his richest inheritance in Christ Jesus. I know I'm dropping some words here and there, but the point is inheritance, inheritance. So this is your inheritance. As a regenerated, born-again believer, you have, number one, been made alive with Christ, Raised with Christ, seated with Christ. So again, let's use the colloquial quote, a phrase that has been used over the last few. Uh, let's unpack this. Let's pull the curtain back and look at it. Oh, doesn't that sound effective? Pull the curtain back. Okay. You were made alive with Christ. And let me qualify that statement by putting it in the context of the verse. You were made alive with Christ even when you were dead. You were made alive with Christ even when you were dead in transgressions. Alive from the dead or from dead to alive. Now, we need to understand this. God did not love us for what we did or didn't do. That's performance-driven. That's unattainable. And that's religion. If God's love was based on my performance and on your performance, it would no longer be unconditional. God would be saying, Bob, you know... You come pretty close there, but, you know, you need to keep working at it because you're not there yet. No. You're already there. You're just struggling with it. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. If God's love was based on our performance, it would be conditional, but his love is agape love. It's unconditional love. No strings attached, no fine print at the end of the contract. It's unconditional love. He loves us. He loves you simply for who you are. His special creation made in his image. So right now, at this very moment, you are extravagantly loved by God. Extravagantly loved by God. Always have been, always will be. From dead to alive means here you are no longer spiritually dead meaning having one's soul separated from God's light and love. You have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his dear son. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 states this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Who's the God of this age? Satan. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Translation. We were spiritually blind in our minds and in our understanding. I had people come up to me before I got saved and say, you need Jesus. Oh, why? But he loves you. Why? I'm doing okay by myself. Leave me alone. I remember working at a factory in Bothwell, and right behind the parking lot was the Pentecostal church. And I was working afternoon shifts, so my lunch came about 7 o'clock. Wednesday nights were noisy at that church, I'm sitting out at the picnic table uh, behind the factory trying to enjoy my lunch and there's them holy rollers, well, I threw stones at the building to get them to shut up because they were interfering with my lunch. And now I stand before you as a preacher of the gospel. God has an incredible sense of humor. I love my sons not because of their performance. I love my boys, not because they believe in me, not because they trust me, not even because they obey me. I love them because they're my sons, period. And that's how God loves you, period. Not because of your performance. Not because you drop the ball once in a while. I'd like to meet the person in this room who has never dropped the ball before. Please stand up. All have fallen short of the glory of God. My love for my sons will never, ever change. Do I get disappointed? Yeah. My watch is going off. Well, we know now that what a pastor's watch means absolutely nothing, so we'll just keep going. I love my boys simply for who they are. Not because if they perform well for me. Again, that's conditional love, isn't it? No, my love for them is pure and holy. I will love them whether they love me or not because they're my kids. Once again, the undeniable evidence of God's unconditional love for you and me is the cross. The cross is the revelation of light and love. And scripture tells us that all who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead shall be what? I can't hear you. You're not quite convinced. Saved! There we go. (sighs) You are now the recipients of an indestructible eternal life. You've moved from dead to being made alive in Christ. You and I are now spiritually alive. The scales from our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and our understanding have fallen away. And we didn't do it. It's God's work. You are made alive in Christ, but you are also raised up with Christ. We've not only moved from being dead to alive, but we've moved from death to life. Kind of sounds the same, doesn't it? But there is a subtle difference here. From dead to alive speaks of being spiritually dead, as we just looked at. Dead in our spirit, lost in the darkness of our minds and our understanding, spiritually blind to the light and the love of God. Death To life, on the other hand, is physical. As Christ has been raised to life, one is spiritual life and the other is physical life. And let me explain. Jesus' temporary physical body was nailed to the cross and died but his body is now an eternal physical body that is indestructible. Remember Jesus' words to shouting, to doubting Thomas, hey, Tommy, buddy, Thomas, look at my hands. See them? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And what about Jesus' words to the disciples after he had rose from the dead in Luke chapter 24? Look at my hands and my feet, he says to those disciples, it is I myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bone as you see I have. He has a physical body. That's eternal. A disembodied spirit does not have a physical body. You have been transformed from being spiritually dead to alive. And you will experience changing from a physical death to a physical life. Now, of course, this comes in the future when we take our last breath. As Christ rose from the dead, he inherited an eternal physical body, and so will you. Isn't that good news? James believes it. That's good news. God's love in Christ has moves you from death to life. When you exhale your last breath on this planet, you inhale your first breath in the kingdom of God. Forever and ever and ever. Let's see how that works. Everybody take a deep breath in. Exhale. Now I'll let you decide when you want to inhale again. How long did that take? You exhale on this planet and you inhale in the kingdom. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, next Tuesday you will be with me in paradise. What did he say? Today You will be with me in paradise from dead to alive. Are you getting this? Have I lost anybody yet? From death to life. Finally, you have been seated together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You have moved from a position of being powerless to powerful. The phrase heavenly realms are mentioned five times in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians one, three we looked at it. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians one, verse twenty-one, we've moved from a position or to a position of power and authority. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, Ephesians 1.21 talks about. It also mentioned, we can see that, the right hand of God in that particular scripture. Anytime you find the phrase, the right hand of God, used in scripture, what it's talking about is a place, a position, a position of power and authority. You are seated with Christ as a right hand. You and I have been put in place in a position of power and authority as we move into Ephesians 2, verse 6, which we're looking at today. You are in a place of rest. Rest. Because we're seated in Christ. We're at a position of rest. And as we move into Ephesians 3:10 and then into Ephesians 6, verse 12, you discover that we have been placed in a position of authority over powerful beings of the unseen world. You are powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, you are powerful. I know there's lots of giggles going on when I mention that because the wives are looking at the husbands (laughs) and you're powerful. (laughs) You are powerful. All of these are on not only a corporate level because Paul is speaking to the church, but they also filter down into a personal level. And all God has done in and through Christ for us is with the intent of displaying the incomparable riches of his grace. When? In the coming ages. What's that mean? Throughout eternity. You are seated with Christ far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And in Ephesians 6, we stand firm in the armor of God. We don't engage the enemy. We don't need to. We just stand. Because we don't fight for victory against the enemy, we stand in victory over the enemy. You don't need to fight. You don't need to fight. When you stand up against the enemy in Christ, hell goes into damage control. I know some of you are saying, think about it. We don't fight for victory. We stand in victory. Because he's already won it. You don't need to fight. Now, let me show you how easy it is to defeat the enemy. Are you comfortable sitting there? Are you good? Are you going to participate with me? Okay. This is, this is how you defeat the enemy. Now, let me just get down here. We're all going to do this. This is how you defeat the enemy. Remember, you're seated in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And maybe today or next week the enemy is going to come against you with everything he can. Maybe you're in a twisted relationship, maybe things aren't going the way you want, maybe the job's this, maybe the kids are that, whatever. And the enemy just uses all of those things to press our buttons. This is how easy it is to defeat the enemy. Stand. Now is that hard? You can be seated. That's how we defeat the enemy, saints. Remember, we don't fight for victory. We stand in the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Because it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to live it. It's one thing to know it, isn't it? We are made alive with Christ. We've been moved from, from dead to alive spiritually. We have been raised up with Christ. We've moved from death to life and one day physically living in an eternal kingdom. And we are seated with Christ from a place of powerlessness before we knew him to a place of power. Do you really believe that? Can I show you what you look like in the spirit realm? Now, I can't take credit for this. I'm a doodler. Do you know what a doodler is? Not a dawdler. I'm a doodler. I have been doodling for 50, oh, my God, 60 years And I've seen this picture, and I can't take credit for the picture. I take credit for drawing it because I drew this, but it's not my original idea. But when i seen this, I thought, oh, it gripped my spirit so much. This is who I am in Christ. This is what happens, and this is a reflection of what I look like in the spirit. Are you ready? Now, I know all of you won't be able to see this, and, you know, I apologize for that, but those in the front row may get a pretty good picture of it, okay? This is what you look like in the spirit when the enemy comes against you. This is Bob. This is the Lion of Judah who stands behind me, beside me, in front of me. Guess what? When the enemy comes and I stand up, he's with me. He is with you. You gotta get this in your spirit, saints. You gotta get this in your spirit. Too many of us are beaten this way and that way by the enemy. Just stand up. Just stand up, for Christ is in you. Christ is with you. Christ is for you. You cannot lose. I make a confession. I'm a Hulk Hogan fan. I'm sorry. If you wanted to be teamed up with anybody in a fight, I'm going to go with the Hulkster. Not anymore. Hulk ain't got nothing compared on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are raised up with Christ, seated with Christ, made alive in Christ. And all those dead, dark forces that were worshipped in Ephesus, be them the Roman gods, be them the emperor worship, be them the pagan magic arts, and be them the sorcery that's talked about in Acts 19. Christ towers above them all, He is and forever will be King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you get it? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. So what can we say in conclusion? because of God's great love, because of his grace extended to us through Christ, we cannot live like we used to because we are no longer who we once were. Let me say that again, slow it down. I do get a little excited. I am preach myself happy here this morning. I mean, really. You know, we cannot live like we used to Because we are no longer who we once were. I'm a new creation. Let me say it again. We cannot live like we used to dead in our transgressions and sin, blindly bound to allegiance to the ruler of this world who is Satan himself, disobedient, craving the sinful nature, pursuing its desires and thoughts and being objects of wrath. We cannot live like we used to because we're no longer who we once were. So, stop it. Stop dwelling on your fears. Stop ruminating over your failures and your insecurities. Stop doubting yourself. Stop feeling unworthy. Stop thinking you're not enough and start embracing who you are in Christ. Because you are alive in Christ and Christ is alive in you. You are raised up with Christ. You are seated with Christ. The glory of God is upon you. The love of God holds you, and the power and the authority of God flows through you. So go out and invade this world. Show them the difference Christ has made in you. Why? Because I said so. No, 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 no. Not because I said so. Why? Because it's who you are. Because that's who you are. Because you can.